Good morning. Oh, so good to be in Wisconsin. We left New Mexico and it was 74 degrees. We get here and it's 38 degrees. You know, the, the guy at the um, rent-a-car place, he gives me a scraper. I'm like, what in the world do I need a scraper for? <laughs> Yesterday I get up to go get coffee. My windshield is frozen. I said, oh, this, this is what this is for. Listen, it is such an honor it's true honor to be with you guys today, me and my wife, Sasha Torres, who's here right there in the front, and um, it's just so great just to be with you guys here. Um, before I go into the message today, let's talk about some things non-spiritual. Where's all my Green Bay fans at? Green Bay, Green Bay. I have come all the way from New Mexico to tell you I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, and Dez caught that ball. I'm going to tell you that right now. Those of you who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. Um, Pastor Jacob, thank you so much for opening up your church and, and your pulpit. I, I do not take this lightly, and, and, and I love you, and I honor you today. Can we let Pastor know how much we love him, appreciate him so much? I love your pastor. I love his passion. The only thing that I disagree is his football team. That's the only thing we have a disagreement on. But uh, yeah, you know, we can have altar time here in a little bit. Uh, but just real quick, behind me, you're going to see some pictures. Um, this uh, first picture, that's, that's my family, my wife, Sasha, my beautiful daughter, Bella, Ileana, and, and my son, Caleb. And uh, my daughter, Bella, the middle one there, uh, she actually had a, a baby almost a couple years ago now, so we're grandparents, so go to the next, next uh, um, and that's my oldest daughter, my oldest daughter, Angelina, and she's, she's 25, and uh, go to the other picture, that's my pride and joy right there, that is, uh, that is my granddaughter, and just so thankful for her, listen, she, she runs the house, I think this thing is faulting here, it's okay, we're going to get this here. Um, she runs the house, um, but uh, Alea is her name, and we're just so thankful for her. And uh, but uh, yeah, is this thing faulting out? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Just talk here for a second with that. I'll fix it tonight. Uh, fix it tonight. You gotta just do that. <laughs> there, it won't do it again now. You're good. Are we good? He's good. Hello, are we there? All right. We're going to roll with this. All right, you're good. Yeah. You know, Jesus never had to deal with no mic issues, amen? He just went in the temples. But this is my pride and joy. This is my family, and, and we're just so thankful uh, to be here uh, with you guys today. All right, how many of you came to learn today? I say I came to learn this morning. All right, I want you to get your Bibles with you. I want you to get your iPads, whatever you brought with you. And I want you, I want you to go to Mark 5, verses 22 through 34. Mark 5, verses 22 through 34 is where I want you to be at today. I also want you to do me another favor. Um, I, want, I want you to put your phones on silent. I want you to put your phones on silent. I want you to look at your phones this morning. We're, we're, we're so distracted when it comes to church. Somebody will message you or whatever, and then, then, then next thing you know, we're on TikTok and Instagram. And, and here's the thing. God has a word for you today. Amen. You have to believe that you're here for a divine purpose. You're, you're not just here just because. 
You're not just here because a special speaker was going to come. And you're here this morning because God really wants to speak to the depths of your heart. And the enemy is going to do what he can to distract you this morning. Because this is what I do know. Some of you did not make it to church this morning. You had distractions this morning. The kids didn't want to get up. Maybe you and the spouse were arguing before you came to church. Maybe your work called you and said, hey, we're going to need you to come in later. Whatever the case is, you had distractions today. But God has you right where he needs you. And this morning, I don't want you to leave, which we had great worship, by the way, wonderful worship. But I don't want you to leave here this morning to say what a great worship that was or even what a great word that was. I want you to leave here this morning going, what a great God we serve. That God met me right where I was at. He knew what I was dealing with inside my heart, and he met me right where I was at. But I want to speak to your hearts today because we say this all the time, and it it's really is true. But we need Jesus more than ever in our lives today. We live in a hurt and damaged world where it's left you and, and I wounded to the point that people themselves don't even know how to cope anymore. They go to drugs. They go to alcohol. They go to pornography. They go to all these things to fill them inside the heart. And listen, I want you to, if you're writing notes, I want you to write this down. If you do not heal right in your life, you will bleed on everybody that loves you. See, we have a lot of hurting people today. They're flooding the bars. They're flooding the streets. They're all over the place. And, and, I, and I know what you're saying. You're saying, well, this is not really a message for me because I, I grew up in church my whole life. I know Jesus, right? But I'm here to tell you today that uh, uh, just because you don't uh, mess, uh, uh, you're not in addictions, you're still here with an unforgiving heart. You've been in church your whole life, but yet you have a heart that is bitter, I'm here to tell you today that God does not just want to heal some things. He wants to heal all things in your life. He wants to heal all things. Adults, hear me out for a second. We owe it to our kids and grandkids to heal in the right way. Children, if you're here today, if you're a teenager today, I want you to hear me. You owe it to yourself to continue to heal in your heart from things that you saw back in your past. Maybe you grew up in church your whole life. That is great. But I'm here to tell you, church or unchurch, we still get hurt. And we have to get to a place of healing. Amy Whitehouse proved that all the money and fame in the world could make her happy, and she drank herself to death. Robin Williams proved that he could make America laugh and smile, yet he himself had a hard time laughing himself. Pastor Jim Howard, who pastored a megachurch in California, 7,000 people in his church took his own life about three, four years ago. You see, we all struggle with things in life. We all go through things in life. But let me just tell you real quick, if, if you're a Christian and you love Jesus, it's okay not to be okay. It is okay not to be okay. Somewhere here in church, you know, we, 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 we really fake it, don't we? Let me take this off for a second. I'm free. There you go. All right. Here's what I know about church people. We love faking it. It's like deep down inside we know that we're struggling with something, but, but you know, we, we come to church, which, which we should, and, and everybody's like, hey, how are you doing today? And we have all the right talk. It's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm highly favored. Praise the Lord. You know, God's good. Knowing deep down inside that we are struggling. We go on, on, on Facebook and, and we post scriptures and we say how great we are, but deep down inside we are struggling. And today we have a lot of injured souls. And I want to ask you some questions. What do we do in a time of hurt? How do we heal? How do we move forward? How do we overcome maybe even some addictions that are in our 
life. What I want to read to you this morning is a great story that I have preached out of many, many times. A woman had been bleeding for years, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, she said, I could be made well. And that is one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it, we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this and we're going to dive a little bit deeper in this scripture. So if you have your Bibles with you, Mark 5, verses uh, 22 through 34. If you're there, can I get an amen? amen? Let us stand for the reading of the word. I'm a little old school this morning. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him. Now a certain woman had flow of blood for 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. 12 years. And had suffered many things from many doctors, and she spent all that she had was no better, for she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only. Everybody say, if only. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude uh, pressing against you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this. But this woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Everybody say the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Now go in peace and be healed of your wounds. Let us pray and bring reverence to God today. Father, we love you so much today. And Lord, we are just so thankful for your spirit, but most importantly, we're thankful for your love for us. Lord, we didn't deserve to be saved. We didn't deserve to be restored, but Lord, you stretched out your hand in our mess, in our wounds, in our brokenness, and you saved us and redeemed us. Lord, I pray for the word today. I pray that you anoint my words, because I am not worthy one bit to speak for you, but yet you picked me to be a voice for you today. So by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray that your word goes forth and into our hearts. Heal our hearts today. Heal our minds today. Heal our brokenness today. We're not here by accident. We're here for a divine appointment with you. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, you may be seated. You may be seated. I tell you what, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go look for this lady. Like, I have to know, like, okay, let's, let's really talk about this because in the Bible it says that a lot of things were recorded, right, but they didn't get put in the Bible. So you're going to have to get into more detail about this moment because this is like one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And I am so glad that they put this in there because when I read this, I see a time of desperation, Let's, let's, let's talk about this. Because when we go through things in life, either it's going to draw us away from God or to God. And when I read this story, she had gotten fed up with her pain and with her life, and she needed Jesus. Like, she was so tired of the temporary fixes. She was so tired of filling her heart with things that were only going to satisfy her for a little bit. 
And see, at that time, people, like, like Jesus was already starting to circulate. You know, they didn't have social media then. And so, you know, Jesus was coming through the town because the word says that she had heard about Jesus. How many know everybody hears about Jesus? See, everybody hears about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. How many of you grew up in the Catholic church? Grew up in the Catholic church. I, could, I, I grew up in the Catholic church. I was an altar boy for three years, and I hated it. My mom took us to church, and she says, you're going to be an altar boy. I said, well, I guess I have to be an altar boy. But I remember, I remember uh, I was in charge of carrying the cross. Like, it, there was an aisle before we got to the altar, and I was in charge of carrying the cross. And Jesus always had to be facing the altar, but sometimes it was an early morning, so Jesus was facing the back. And so if Jesus wasn't facing the altar, the priest would pinch my arm. I don't know what it is about Catholic people. They want to start pinching people's arm when they don't act right. But they pinched my arm, so I would turn Jesus, and I would walk Jesus all the way to the altar, put him on a stand, and I was there to serve the church. And, but here's the thing, is that I did that for so long, but I didn't even know the man that I was carrying. I, I, I was in a church, and I don't even know why I was there. See, religion will keep you the same, but an encounter will make you want to change. I had no idea that the man on the cross would die for me. I had no idea who he was about his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and his changing, transforming power that only comes through him. See, here is my fear as a pastor is that as Christians, we'll just go through the motions of Christianity. We're never really having an encounter with the living God. Think about that for a second. People right now are, are in church and they're sitting in the chair and, and, and they're, they're, they're doing like their due diligence, I guess you can say. But we have to come to church expecting more from God. We can't just say that we're just going to go through the motions. We have to say, Lord, I need you today in my life. Let me ask you some questions today. What hurt have you been holding on to? Is it keeping you stuck in your past with fear, anxiety, depression, maybe even suicidal thoughts? What's some mistakes that maybe you're repeating that your parents did? And we're going to talk a little bit about that here in a bit. And do you want to move forward? Maybe there's some addictions that we, don't, that we need God to help us with that nobody knows about. Here's the thing is that God knows everything about you right now in this moment. He knows when you sit. He knows when you stand. He knows every hair on the top of your head. But you have to be honest, Christians, and where you're at today. Because a lot of the times we look at people from the streets, we look at the prostitutes, we look at the gangbangers, and we say, well, they need Jesus. No, I'm here to tell you, you need Jesus today. You need Jesus to invade every part of your heart, every part of your mind. Listen, if you don't need Jesus, I'll take him. I'm a mess. Ask my wife. Ask our church. But here's the thing, we, we can't just get to a point where we're saved and we just think, oh, well, I don't need God anymore. No, we need God every minute, every second of our lives because life changes, seasons change, but God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I love this story because the woman had been bleeding for years, and this is a snapshot of our lives. Now, maybe you're not bleeding on the outside, but some of you are bleeding in the inside. And you're repeating the same mistakes our parents did. 
I look back in my life, and I love my parents. I love my family, but I was repeating the same mistakes my parents did, the same mistakes my, from generation to generation. I come from a line of drinkers. How many know what I'm talking about? We drink for everything. We drink when we wash our car. We drink for every birthday party. We drink because sports events. We just drink because it's just what we saw. It's just what we do. But I am thankful for the glory of God that I stand here 13 years clean and sober. And he gets all the glory for that. He gets all the glory for that. But the thing is that maybe you've been dealing with depression. Maybe you've been dealing with anxiety. Maybe you've been dealing with suicidal thoughts. Maybe you've been dealing with heaviness. Maybe you're a screamer. You just yell at your kids for everything because that's what you saw growing up. I'm here to tell you today that you can break any generational pattern, any generational curse today, and it only comes through Jesus. Don't sit there in your chair and think something's wrong with me. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm here to tell you you're in the right place because God wants to meet you right where you're at. And right now what God is looking for is if only people, if only people would believe again, if only people would press in again, if only people would know that I am Lord of their lives. But you have to get this message in your heart because what I do know about Christians is that we'll leave a place and we'll go, well, that was great. No, no, no. You have to understand that you're not here just because you're here for a divine purpose. And maybe you've been seeking Jesus and you're like, but I've been seeking him, but I still see no healing in my heart. Let me just tell you that it's sometimes it's not an overnight. It's going to take work and pressing in and pressing in and pressing into God every single day. And yeah, I know what you're saying. Preacher, you don't, you don't know what I'm dealing with today. Listen, I don't. But I know God does. And he wants to deal with every area of your life. I love Psalms 91 verses 1 through 2 because... It's very personal. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Listen, my God in him I trust. And that's what you have to say today. You have to say, listen, Lord, you're my God. It's in you that I trust. If you're here this morning and you're wondering about what people are wearing, you're not, your focus is on the wrong things. If you're here this morning, you're wondering if the coffee's good or not good, I'm here to tell you you're concentrating on the right things. Like Christians are notorious for looking at what other people are doing and what other people are going through instead of asking God to search their own hearts. And we need to get, we, we need to get away from that. Because if we're not careful, we'll have a self-righteous attitude where we're too busy looking down on people instead of loving people. It doesn't matter if you're Christian or not. I'm here to tell you we all need Jesus today. We all need Jesus to invade all areas of our life. So if you're ready to dive into this, say let's go. Let's go. All right, number one, according to this story, Jesus is not too busy to pursue us. We are too busy to pursue Jesus. See, in the verse it says, so Jesus went with him, Jairus, to heal his daughter. And a great multitude followed him. You must take time in what matters to you. You want to really find your healing and even your breakthrough, you have to keep pursuing Jesus every single day. If you're going to write anything down, write this down. It's hard to defeat full-time devils living for a part-time Jesus. See, the thing about it is, is that the devil doesn't sleep. He continues to want to torment you. 
I, listen, I, I minister to so many people in prisons, so many people that are coming out of rehabs, and, and, and they find Jesus, and then three to four months they're doing great, and then after that I don't see them in church anymore. And I'm like, well, you know, where, where are you at? You know, what's going on? What's thing about, here's the thing. What's great about living in Alamogordo, it's such a small city, town, you're going to run into everybody at Walmart. <laughs> and I love it. Because I don't see them sometimes, but I'll see them at Walmart, and I'll follow them in aisle number five. What is it that every time somebody sees their pastor, they want to run the other way? <laughs> I don't get it. We're not there to condemn you. How many know we just want to love you? But I'd say, hey, where, where you been? Oh, you know, pastor, I just, it got hard, you know? Like, I'll come back to church, you know, when I stop smoking, when I stop cussing, you know, when I, when I stop doing all those things, you know, then, then, then I'll come back and start serving Jesus. I'm like, who do you think is going to help you? Because the thing about it is that when you give your life to Jesus, it's not supposed to get easier. It's supposed to get harder because God is working out those areas in our life that we've been in for a very, very long time. And it's called sin. It's called sin. It's called generational patterns. It's, it's things that we picked up growing up. They, if, you, if, you study, if you do the, uh, the teachings and you really study it, they say that we probably adapt a lot of the things and absorbed on how we grew up. If you come from a family that said they loved you all the time and there was love in the home, you're going to grow up to have a heart to say, hey, I love you, and you're going to learn to accept that. But those that were in a home that didn't understand what, what, what love looked like or maybe they never expressed their feelings, that's how you're going to grow up. See, we are a product always of our environment. And today we need to tap into the environment of kingdom heaven and seek the heart of Jesus today. But it's hard to defeat full-time devils even for a part-time God. See, the thing about it is our priorities are wrong. They're so wrong in American Christianity today. So wrong. Every Sunday, not, not all the time. But we do altar time a lot in the church. And, and sometimes, not all the time, it's like I feel like I have to beg people to stay in church. It's like the moment that we do altar time, people start leaving. I'm like, where are you going? Fast for another 30 minutes. Don't eat right now. You'll be okay. You're not going to die. But you know what's crazy is that, that, that those same Christians can go to a rock concert and stand on their feet for three hours. See, in the 90s, we had movies that lasted an hour and 15 minutes. Now we have movies that last for almost three hours. And you'll go watch your favorite uh, movie and you won't go to the bathroom once. But the moment that service starts, bathroom, 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 bathroom. And I'm like, where is our attention at? See, because our priorities are wrong. And sometimes the inner needs to catch up with the outer. See, she knew that she had to touch the hem of his garment. She was not going to make any more excuses for her life. She, she knew that she needed, that God, that Jesus had to be the source of everything that she did. In that moment, she knew that she just needed to get closer to him to touch the hem of his garment. Jesus needed to be her source. Did you know we all failed in 2020? Every single one of us failed. One day, I stood up in front of our church and I said, if God removed everything from you, your, your, your income, your health, could, could he still be enough for you? And see, we all say, yeah, yeah, pastor, like Jesus is enough for me. COVID. It happened. 
And it was a moment that people were really freaking out. Like Christians were like, oh, what, what do we do? And, and how is this going to look? And, oh, God, help us. What's going on? And God is looking down like, you still don't get it. You sing every day about me. You worship me on Sundays. You read your word because that was a moment for Christians to say, I just don't know the word and sing the word. I apply the word. I apply the word in my life. Yeah, I may not have a job, but God, you're my provider and you're going to be my source. Lord, my health may be gone from me, but I know that you will heal me either on earth or in heaven. You're all I need today. See, everything was falling apart around us, and even Christians in that time didn't know what to do. And it was almost like Jesus was saying, Moses, come here, look. They do, they've been doing this for 20 years. They sing, they fast, they press into me, and now they're lost. Because when rubber meets the road, it's more than just reading and singing. It's applying. That's how change happens. You read the word. You apply the word. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. But here's the thing that I tell a lot of people. Don't be Christians that are moved by emotions. Be Christians that are moved by commitment. That no matter what's going on in your life, it's going to draw you to your source. It's going to draw you to God. Because if you base your Christianity based on emotions, good luck with that. But when you say, I'm committed, why? Because what you've done in my life, it makes all the difference in the world. But you have to ask yourself today, what is competing with Jesus? Because I will say this, you will make time for what matters in your life. See, the story says that the woman have been dealing with this for years. She tried everything. And the scripture says that she grew worse because that's what happens when you're in the world and you try to fill it with, with temporary stuff. You're going to get worse. And I just love this story even more because she really had to fight her way through that crowd. Our busyness should not override our desperation to have a normal life and a happy life. See, Sundays, we compete with so many things today, don't we? We compete with sports. We can compete with work and all these other things. Oh, but pastor, I have to work and provide for my family. That's great. Provide for your family, but he needs to be first. He needs to be first. And, and my heart this morning is that you're going to look at your life and you're going to say, I have to adjust some things in my life to have a better relationship with Jesus. Because I'm here to tell you, it is not your pastor's job, it is not the church's job to feed you, you have to feed yourself. You have to take your relationship with Jesus very, very seriously and say, today I'm going to grow closer to God because what you put into your walk with God is what you're going to be out of it. How about we don't become better Christians, how about we become better followers? Better followers. Number two, she did get lost. In her setback, she got filled for her hope. Put your hand over your heart, everybody. As long as this is beating, there's always hope in your life. Now, a certain woman had flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many doctors. She spent all that she had, but it was no better, but she grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only, everybody say, if only. I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. See, according to Leviticus 13.45, she was supposed to yell, unclean, unclean. And can you imagine the anxiety that she must have had going to Jesus? Because if anybody spotted her, they would have stoned her and she would have died. 
But she was so, so she, she needed to, to get closer to him. And she got tired of her setbacks. She got tired of always going backwards. She needed hope in her life. Like Jesus was her last resort because I wonder what she had been dealing with inside her heart. But she didn't care. She didn't care about the crowd. She wanted Jesus. She wanted hope. I have people all the time that will tell me, you know, I had a guy message me a couple of days ago. He said, how many friends did you lose when you started following Jesus? I said, all of them. And you know what's really crazy about my life? I don't know, maybe this is not you. But I remember when I was in the bars and I was drinking because I was in a motorcycle club for like five years. You know, my mom used to call me hell on wheels. That's what she would call me. But I remember being at the bar, drinking. I mean, I was into drugs, cocaine, and tried crystal meth, tried heroin, popping pills. And this beautiful young lady in the front, my wife, she put up with that for almost nine years. But I tell you what, when people, when, you know, my family and people were like, oh, you're going to die. And you, need, you better get better and you better get right and you're going to lose your life. And so guess what? I did. I did. I gave my life to Jesus, and now it was those same people going, oh, all you do is talk about God too much, and you read too much, and you pray too much, and, and you go to church too much. And this is what I've learned a long time ago. Stop trying to satisfy the crowd and satisfy Jesus today. And here's the thing. You better be ready to lose some family that are very close to you, and you better be okay with that. And it's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's just that you are just getting closer to Jesus. Because I tell you what, you want to know who my immediate family is? The church family, you, the body of Christ. Because a lot of my immediate family, we're not close anymore because they're going a different direction. I'm going to the cross, amen. I'm going to Jesus because he's the one that holds my life and my soul in his hand. And I speak this also to my Catholic brothers and sisters that came out of that religion because we've had people that have come to our church and they say, listen, I love your church, I love your vision, but I can't come back here anymore because my grandma said that if I continue to come to your church, she's going to disown me. Got to follow Jesus and not the crowd. See, she was tired of her setbacks, but she needed hope. And I don't know what's going on in your life today, but you need to know that there's hope. And it's not over till God says it over. I don't care what the doctors say. I don't care how it looks. It's not over till it's over. We had a guy in our church who I told him, if you don't stop drinking, it's going to catch up to you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just here to tell you, you keep on drinking, that liver's going to be shot. And guess what? It happened. Now he's in the hospital. He has cirrhosis of the liver. Now his kidneys are shutting down. I go visit him in the hospital. And I'm like, this is not my friend. Like, this is not the same guy, right? And I'm asking the doctors, what's all these machines? And they said, well, we have to keep him on the machines or he's going to die. This was about, about a year and a half ago, I believe. And it was about this same time. And I remember leaving that hospital going, Lord, I believe you. But help me with my unbelief. I mean, you've been there before. Lord, I believe, but it helped me with my unbelief. And I left that hospital in, in some doubt. I said, Lord, if you don't, if you don't heal him, he's going to die. I get back home two weeks later. They call me. And you got to think about it. When you suffer from cirrhosis of the liver, it takes a year to be put on the list. You have to wait. Insurance was giving him fits. Everything it was up against him. 
And his, his girlfriend calls me and says, he's in surgery right now getting a new liver. Next day, he's in surgery right now getting new kidneys. And now he's at our church in the sound team back where he was at. And here's the thing. Is that as long as you are breathing, there is always hope in your life. It's not over till God says it's over because he's the giver of life and he also takes life. But you have to understand in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the struggle, we don't see that. All we see is pain. All we see is setback. All we see is struggle. And all we see is brokenness. But I'm here to tell you, if you would get the spirit of say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I can be made well. But listen, you're going to have to fight through the crowd. You're going to have to fight through the distractions. Because I'm here to tell you right now, nobody wants you to get closer to Jesus, but you have to be willing. You have to be willing. <laughs> she didn't get lost in her setback. She got filled for hope. Matthew 19, 26 says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Listen, I'm all for conferences. I've ministered at conferences. I'm all for deliverance and healing and I, I believe in all that I believe in signs miracles and wonders I believe in all that but I'm here to tell you if you're really struggling with something you have to get to a place where you lock yourself in your room lock the door and you tell your people I'm not coming out of this room till God blesses me I'm not coming out of this room till I have an encounter with God. Anoint yourself with oil, put some worship music on, and seek the heart of God today. Some of you want to put your trust in, in Dr. Phil's books and how, all these things. Listen, you need to put your trust in the good book today, the Bible, because that is what's going to help you and I through these tough times. I'm here to tell you today, Oprah Winfrey don't have nothing on King Jesus today. But a lot of the times, if we're not careful, we'll start saying, oh, we're not need a quick word no what you need to do is equal is get into the presence of God because the presence of God equals power it equals power if only never look down on somebody that God is blessing because you have no idea what they pulled them out of see a lot of people look at my family today I mean one time this lady posted on you know we were at a sabbatical or we were at a um taking a vacation and and somebody commented they said oh it must be nice to be on vacation I'm like you have no idea what God has pulled us out of like we come from we came from nothing we had everything we lost it all like we came from dirt number three you have to be desperate for change immediately everybody say immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body, and she was healed. Immediately, Jesus, knowing himself, the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I truly believe Jesus is ready to give his power out, but listen, we're not desperate enough. We're just complacent. We're just, we're just going through the motions. We can't just be satisfied. We have to be desperate for change. We have to be desperate for more of God in our lives. I've been to Africa, I've been to India, but I remember I was in India one time, and the pastor said, you see that, that, that family over there? He said they had to travel three hours to come to church. They walked, they rode a donkey, they were in a truck, whatever they can do, they were in church. I said, well, that's crazy, because people in America live five minutes from the church, and they can't even go to church anymore. And I tell you what, they worship so different. 
over there across seas like I've never seen. Let me just say this. Y'all had some great worship. My man, were you? My man, you blessed me. I love you so much. Thank you for your just your heart. Like, like you didn't care who's around. Amen. You're like, I'm gonna go after God. And that's the way we all should be. But the thing about it is in, 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 in churches, like we just we we have it all wrong today. You know, we're driving to church and we're just like, oh, you know, I I hope they sing my jam, my song, Oceans. Because if they sing that song, then I can usher into the presence of God. Oh, I hope that the lights, you know, they have a little bit of a pink in them. I just love it the way it messes with you know, my eyeshadow and all that stuff. You know, I just worship God. Oh, I hope the pastor is preaching on forgiveness. You know, I, I just really need to hear that today. Why did nobody greet me at the door? Why did nobody say hello to me? Why this and why? See, our whole focus is gone. What we need to do is we say, you know what? I don't care what song they're singing. I just need to be in the presence of God. I don't care if they're up there with fiddles and spoons and whatever it is. Like, I just need to be in the presence of God. I don't care who's up here, whether it's the lead pastor, associate pastor, youth pastor. I don't care who's up here. I need a word from God today because I'm struggling in my life. I don't care what the person next to me, what they smell like or what they're wearing. I need to be in church today because I need God. And that's the problem with American churches today is that we made the focus all to all about us when it always needs to be about him. That we need to get closer to him. We need to get desperate for change in our life. I'm glad I work out. Boy, I'm going to have to get up these stairs. But have you told Jesus how much you need him? Have you done your part? Because I'm here to tell you, Jesus has done his. Here's the thing. Jesus was surrounded by so many people. Yet he only felt the touch of one. And he looked around to see her who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. I wonder what she said. I see a picture like this of her getting on her knees and, there's dirt and there's rocks around her and she's, she smells, you know, she's been bleeding for so long and, and people are around her just disgusted of her. And there she is in front of Jesus and she's telling him everything. Every night that she couldn't sleep, every depression, maybe even times she thought about killing herself. I mean, you got to think about it. this wasn't months, months like that. This was years. But there she was in front of him, telling him everything that was going on. And when was the last time you were really honest with God? Because you can fake it to your pastor, you can fake it to your homies, you can fake it all around you, but you can't fake it with God. And I wonder what she said. I wonder if she said, I'm not worthy, but yet I'm struggling. But you know what I love about this story? Is that he didn't identify her with her past. He identified her with her present and her future. Because if you read the scripture, he said, daughter. He was now identifying her as a child of God. He didn't say brokenness, rise up. 
He didn't say uh, a person that dealing with X, Y, and Z. He said daughter. He said in this moment you are now a child of the most high God. And some of you are identifying your, your, your present with your past. You think that depression is you, anxiety is you, addiction is you. All these things are, are you. But I'm here to tell you that we flew on a plane all the way over here in cold Wisconsin to let you know that you are a child of the most high God today. And what he's saying, he's saying sons, he's saying daughters, be at peace and be healed in your destruction. Be healed in your past. Be healed in your brokenness. But understand this. It is time for you to rise up and know what kind of God that you serve today. And my question is, has he seen your desperation? Are you desperate for him? My last point is this. Reaching is everything. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude and you say, who touched me? See, God is not short of miracles in our life. We just stopped reaching. Some of you stopped reaching. You used to do this, but now you don't. I'm only going to give you three minutes of my testimony. And then I'm going to wrap it up with a short video. Tonight, I encourage you to come to church. We're going to, me and my wife are going to share everything with you. But I, I found myself in 2009 addicted to drugs and alcohol for a very long time. At the age of 14, I drank. Started doing hard drugs at the age of 16, 17. I got a great state job working at a prison that I just messed that up because of my drugs. But I remember I found myself in 2009 in a rehab thinking, how in the world did I get here in my life? How many of you have ever been there before? You're like, how did I get here? How did I get in rehab? And I lost everything. Sasha, she left. She took the kids and left. Which was one of the best things that she could have ever done. I was separ separated from my family for four months. And I, I don't want to say that I was an atheist, but I had a lot of questions. Like, I was very angry at God. Because my grandma and grandpa were killed by a drunk driver when I was small, so I blamed God. Then my parents went through an ugly divorce. I saw my mother uh, physically beat in front of me, and I couldn't do nothing because I was a child. I blame God for that. Oh, well, God, if you're so powerful, then why did this happen? So I, I went through my whole life saying, you know, I don't, I don't think there is a God. So I got to rehab, and, you know, I, I, I think I picked up the Bible, and I started reading a little bit of it because I needed something in my life, but it just nothing was penetrating in my heart. So we fast forward. I got out of rehab, went back on drugs, and there I am in Altus, Oklahoma, because that's where my mom, that's where I'm originally from. And I remember going to my, um, I got to Lawton, Oklahoma, and that Saturday, I said, you know what, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to kill myself because I didn't see no way out of my addictions. Listen to me, I wanted to die an addict. Think how sad that sounds. I didn't see a way out. I was like the woman in the story, filling my heart with stuff, and I got worse. And so that Saturday night, I ended up going out, drinking. My little brother did heroin at that time, so he didn't bring me my heroin like I wanted him to. I ended up drinking myself to sleep, and I woke up the next morning, Sunday, at a house I didn't even know where I was at. And I called my aunt, and I said, can you, can you come pick me up? And she said, I'm going to church. Come with me. <sighs> I don't even like Christians. I don't even know if I like God, like a bunch of hypocrites. Like, no, I'm not going. I'll never forget the words that she said. She says, what do you have to lose? 
And I remember I must have vomited that night because I had vomit on my pants and I wipe it off. I look at myself and I said, fine. I said, but I smell like a bar. Really do. So I went to church, something like this. I tell you what, I walked in there. I was like, these people were crazy. <laughs> and they were dancing and shouting and all this stuff. I'm like, what is the world's going on in this place? Why are they so happy? But I tell you what, God had me right where he wanted me. Because remember, I carried the man on the cross as a child. And I didn't even know who I was carrying. But that day, the pastor spoke about Jesus like I never heard before. The Jesus that heals, the Jesus that restores, the Jesus that makes all things new. And the pastor said, what can I pray with you about? So I went up there for prayer. I call it the walk of defeat. Because as a 28-year-old, I knew that my life had been defeated. Men, women, let me just say this today. Pride and ego will always block the blessings of God. Will always block the change of God. So I walk up there. He said, what can I pray with you about? I said, I don't know. I said, I'm, I'm addicted. I'm a mess. <laughs> I said, I don't have my family anymore. I don't know what to do. He said, have you ever accepted Jesus into your life? I said, am I supposed to? And so he did the weird things that pastors do. He said, now close your eyes. He now raised your hands. I'm like, this is weird. And I felt the elders all around me putting their hands on me and praying for me. And for once in my life, my, my lips confessed that Jesus was Lord and my heart was open. And it was like a flood of the Holy Spirit. It was a flood of the Spirit of God like never before. I remember weeping and I remember crying. <laughs> and one of the elders came up to me and she said, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, lady, who's the Holy Spirit? I just know Jesus right now. Let me catch up to all this. And I wish I could say that my life was instantly turned around in that moment, but it wasn't. I still would go to the bar. I would snort coke in the church parking lot, then come in and try to worship Jesus. And I was struggling so much. And I said, God, why am I struggling? I just read that you parted the Red Sea and you raised the dead. Why am I still struggling with my addictions? He says, because nothing's changed in your life. You just added me to your life. You have the same heart, same mind, same friends. He says, I don't want lordship of some things. I want lordship of all things in your life. And once I made that decision, I begin to see change. I begin to become the woman in the story that every day I was going to reach for the hem of his garment. I'm not 13 years sober just because. I'm 13 years sober because it doesn't matter if I mess up, I goof, I'm going backwards. I'm still reaching for his garment. It doesn't matter if I wake up and some days I don't have it all together, I'm still reaching for his garment. And the thing about it is that some of you stop reaching for his garment. I encourage you to reach for his garment today. So that way when you're reaching, he can say, who touched me? That's what he wants to do today. He wants to look around and say, who touched me? Was it this side? Was it here in the middle? Was it over here? Was it people online? Who touched me? Four months later, we got back together. And she, my wife, gave her life to Jesus. My kids, my daughter now serves on the worship team, leading it as a worship leader. We have broken every generational curse that our family has tried and been dealing with for so long. Because what God is looking for today, if only people, if you will stand in the gap for your family, I'm here to tell you God will do great things.